0: It is a great privilege and joy to be here this morning. Uh, I want to also say a, a special welcome to anybody who's new or hasn't been here with us in a while. Um, I am also new. I <laughs> just wanted to throw that out there. So uh, tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, I am the luckiest guy in the world, getting to date Mackenzie. She's uh, not here at the, at the moment, but she'll be here in a little bit. Um, and if, for those of you who have already met her, you already know why I say I'm the luckiest guy in the world. She's gorgeous and she loves jesus so what more can you ask for um and so uh definitely uh have to start out that way um the most important thing about me uh second most important thing about me so i, I uh, grew up in the houston area uh, and at a very early age god called me to ministry um, to the point where by seventh grade uh, i was verbally confirming that this is what god has called me to do uh, and i was beginning to be trained and equipped for uh for ministry and uh and so fast forward a few years, I, I went to Texas A&M and graduated, whoop, graduated, I love that about A&M, it's my favorite thing, I'm going to try to slip that in every week, something about A&M. Um, I graduated from, from that school with uh, a, a business management degree and then went to seminary and just graduated with a Master of Divinity uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, and uh, o- over that time, I've also been serving in a variety of churches in a variety of different roles. Uh, and God has now called me here. And, and I can tell you uh, that what, has, what drew me here uh, is the people. Uh, it, the people here are going to love you well and are going to push you to look more like Jesus. Uh, and if that's something that, that sounds like uh, you would want to be a part of that, uh, then please come join us as we are growing to look more like Jesus and as we are glorifying God in the world around us. Uh, I am very excited about the future of ministry here at Freedom Fellowship. Let me pray for us, and we'll get into the word this morning. Heavenly Father, I don't even want to begin to say what you're going to do through this church, because I know whatever you're going to do is better and bigger than I can give you credit for. Whatever I can imagine, God, you have a much greater imagination you have much more creativity and your power is even bigger than I than I think it is so God I I thank you and praise you for what you're going to do through this church and I thank you and praise you for what you're going to do this morning as we open up your word and hear from you God work in our hearts work in our lives to shape how we see you and to shape how we live and act in our world today Father, we love you, and we praise you, and we pray for this time, and it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. So I grew up in church, been in church pretty much my whole life, which means I spent a lot of time in a children's ministry, very similar to the children's ministry we have here. Jessica Mason does a great job with that, uh, which, shameless plug, PBS, August 2nd through 6th. Uh, You can register online. Make sure your kids are registered, your grandkids, your kids' friends, your random kids on your block. Make sure they're all registered. It's not going to be something that you're going to want to miss, so... Uh, So that's August 2nd through 6th, but back to what I was saying. Uh, I grew up and spent a lot of time in uh, children's ministries. And when you're in a children's ministry, you learn a lot of Bible stories. Uh, You're taught uh, random little uh, stories from Scripture, whether it's Daniel in the lion's den, or David and Goliath, or uh, Noah and the flood, or Jonah and the great fish, which always becomes a whale, I guess. I don't know why, because the Bible never says whale, but Jonah and the big fish. Um, we, we were taught all of these little Bible stories, and, and for some of you, as you've grown up, that's still how you view the Bible. You view the Bible as a random collection of good stories that are, that are full of good truths that you can take away from it with little moral lessons in it, but that's, that's all you see the Bible as, is a collection of stories, and while it is a collection of 66 books written by over 40 different authors, it is so much more than that. While it is full of Of a bunch of incredible stories with great truths from God the entire Bible from beginning to end is telling one great big story that's why we're gonna begin a sermon series this week titled the Bible's story and we're gonna look together at what is the great story God's plan of redemption that he is showing us through the Bible from page one to the last page and what you'll see what we're going to see together is that God's doing something in Scripture. He's telling us something in Scripture, and what he's doing is revealing himself and his plan of redemption for the world. I mean, think about that for a second. God didn't have to tell us what he's like, but he chose to in Scripture. God chose to tell us what he's like and what he's doing in the world around us. One of my uh, favorite parts of being in a dating relationship is just getting to know the other person, like revealing uh, a little bit more about myself and, and having a little bit more about the other person revealed to me. And that, from, from the first date on, you're, it's a process of just revealing and learning a little bit more about that other person. And, and when it comes to our relationship with God, we're at a little bit of a disadvantage. God already knows everything that we can possibly know about us. And he didn't have to tell us anything. He doesn't owe us anything, but he has decided to reveal a little bit about himself and about his plan for the world in scripture. Think about the ancient Israelites. They had just been rescued from slavery. God himself stepped in and rescued them from slavery in this incredible event called the Exodus, where they're rescued from slavery in Egypt, and they're brought Towards the, uh, the promised land, the, God, the land that God had said he would give them. And God himself says that he was going to be their God and they were going to be his people. And the question that would naturally arise in any Israelite's mind is, well, who is this God? Like, who's, who's the God that we're going to serve? What's he like? What does he require of us? What is he asking from us? Who, who is this God? And that's what we pick up in Genesis chapter 1. God tells Moses to write. And he begins to reveal himself to his people. Look at me in Genesis chapter 1. It's probably a good place to start the story of the Bible. It's with the first page of the Bible. (laughs) Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It's familiar to anyone who has spent any amount of time in church. It says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I mean, what better place to start than the beginning? And not the beginning of the Bible, not just the first page, but literally the beginning. Like, before time existed, before uh, matter existed, the beginning is where God decides to start telling us about himself. When the Israelites are wondering, what is this God like? He says, well, let me tell you about the beginning. And what you'll notice is that God was already there. In the beginning, God. God. That I means before time existed, before matter existed, before there was a beginning, God was already there. I we serve an eternal God, a God that is not bound by any space, a God that's not bound by any time, a God that has no limitations. We serve an eternal God. He has always existed, and he always will exist. So if the Israelites are wondering, when was our God made? Who, who created our God? Who, who is our God's parents? The The answer that God is providing in Genesis chapter 1 is that none of those things are relevant. God was not made. He has always been. And He always will be. And that is really hard for us to wrap our minds around. But we serve a God who is eternal. There is no learning curve. He didn't didn't grow up. There is no decline as He ages. He is eternal. there wasn't a, a point where he started and came into existence. He just has always been, in the beginning, God. He was always there. If you serve a God who is bound by some limitation, if, you, if you're worshiping a God who is, who is bound by time and you don't think that God can interact uh, above time, if you're serving a God who is bound by, by physical, material limitations, then you're not serving the God of the Bible. Because the God of the Bible is eternal. And he is a step above. He is infinitely removed from time and from matter. Because before all of those things existed, he was. And he is and he will always be. In the beginning, God. And what what you notice in verse 2 is that the Spirit of God was there, the Holy Spirit. And this isn't exactly revealed to us in this verse, um, but is revealed to us in John chapter 1 and Colossians chapter 1 is that God the Son is also present in this moment, Jesus Christ. So you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the triune God, three in one, all existing before the beginning. And you know what they were lacking? Absolutely nothing. They weren't missing anything. They weren't standing around saying, you know, this whole being eternal God thing is great, but you know what we're missing? People. That's, <laughs> they're great. <laughs> you know, that's what. They're not standing around saying, you know, this whole eternity thing is awesome, but you know what we really need? Goats. Like some fainting goats. Some of you scare them. <laughs> they're not saying, man, th- this eternity thing is incredible, but we really, really need to see giraffes. Like, I'm really... Uh, wanting to see those they weren't they weren't lacking anything god had existed for all of eternity and he will exist for all of eternity in perfect relationship between the father the son and the spirit and they weren't missing or lacking anything they were totally fine they could have not created anything and been just as fine so it's amazing the fact that there was a beginning In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Like, let that sink in for a second. The eternal God who was lacking nothing, who needed nothing, who who had nothing that uh, could fill any desire or emptiness or hole in his existence, he chose to create. Just as a pure expression of his infinite creativity and power and nature, he threw it onto a canvas of creation. The eternal God chose to start a beginning. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God chose to create. But that in itself is not a whole lot of information. God has, has revealed to the Israelites, the number, the very first thing he revealed to them is the fact that he is a creating God, that he is the creator you can't miss that that in all of the bible it hinges on the fact that god is the creator of all things that he is the creator and everything else are creatures that he is the one that chose to make the world and that he is above all of it you can't miss that fact but just the fact that he's a creator doesn't tell you a whole lot of information because look with me in verse two the earth was without form and void And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. So God created. He chose to just create time and matter. There was a beginning. But the world at the beginning was without form. The initial burst of matter and time that He created had no order to it. And what that shows us is God could have created any reality. God could have created any world. God created, could have created a world designed for pain. He could have created a world designed for love. He could have created a world designed for anything. He could have created any world of any infinite realities. I, some of the artists in our world are just, they blow my mind. I'm not an artistic person. I, I don't have a, an artistic bone in my body. Uh, I can't draw stick figures proportionally like I am not at all artistic but there are some people that, that are incredible artists and what they do is they create whole worlds and creatures And I think of uh, I, I love movies so visually stunning I think of something like interstellar where, which is just a visually stunning movie because they're creating whole worlds and planets. I mean uh, I, I think about things like Lord of the Rings that are uh, they're creating whole whole uh, universes and, of, of people and creatures like they're just visually stunning but even those things are all tethered to our reality in one way or another. Like they, those creatures and those planets are are somewhat based in things that we see and things that that we know, things that uh, the laws of physics and the way that we interact with things, those are all related to our reality. God wasn't bound by any such limitations. He could have made whatever he wanted. In fact he could have left the world as a dark formless void He didn't have to create in the first place. He made something he could have said, well, that's great, and then left it like that. So just the fact that he's the creator doesn't tell us a whole lot of information. The question that we should ask then is what kind of creation did he make? What what did he do? What what did he choose to create as the creating God? And he tells us in the rest of the chapter. Look with me in verse 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God said, let the waters swarm, with swar- excuse me, with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth, above the- across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures, and every living creature that moves, uh, with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock livestock, and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every green tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food, and every beast of the earth, to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. So God looked upon his, his limitless dark void that he had created and he decided to do some organizing. He looked upon his, the, the dark void of creation and decided that he wasn't content with that and he wanted to create something with order and with, with, with beauty. And so if you look with me, on the first three days, God decided to create the perfect environment. Like on day one, God looked at the dark void and said, there needs to be light. So he spoke and light flooded into the darkness. What once was a, a dark, formless void was now flooded with light because God spoke and light came into being. He didn't have to create a world with anything bright, with anything glorious, with anything light, but he chose to speak light into existence and light was formed. You look with me on the second day. God saw the waters that he created and he decided he wanted to make a planet with an atmosphere. So he spoke and the waters were gathered together on a planet's surface and waters were separated from those that are in the sky and those that are below. And so after day two, there was a planet covered in water and an atmosphere suitable for life. So God created in day one the perfect light. In day two, he created the perfect atmosphere and the perfect waters. If you look on day three, God created the perfect land. He decided he wanted dry land, so he spoke, and the waters separated, and dry land appeared. And he didn't just stop there, because uh, empty desert and desolate rock was not what he had in mind. He spoke, and trees and grass and flowers bloomed, all over the planet, and the smell of the trees and the flowers filled the brand new atmosphere. He spoke, and across this lifeless planet, green appeared. So after three days, God had created the perfect environment. Perfect light, perfect water, perfect air and atmosphere, and perfect land. If you'll notice, in days four through six, God fills that uh, perfect environment with the things that perfectly correspond to it. So think day one he created light. What did he create on day four? The sun, the moon, and the stars. Now, on day one he created light. On day four he created the perfect vehicles for the distribu- uh, distribution of that light. So God spoke and the sun was burst, uh, burst onto the scene. And its rays reached out and touched the earth for the very first time. He spoke and our moon filled the sky and the the trillions of stars in our universe flooded the galaxy. And the trillions upon trillions of planets that surround them and the trillions of moons that surround those planets all flooded onto the scene at one time. All gloriously proclaiming the infinite creativity and power of our God. All shining light onto his planet. And day four, God created the very things that would, that would distribute the light that he had created on day one. So he created the perfect vehicles for those lights. On day five, after day two, he created the waters and the air. On day five, he created the sea creatures and the birds. He spoke and he decided to have living creatures under the water and, and in the air. It's almost as if that air and that water were perfectly created, just waiting and ready to bring in the water creatures and the birds that fly through the air, just waiting and ready for their existence. God spoke and he created the perfect creatures to fill the waters and to fill the air. And so in a word, every fish, every marine animal, and every flying bird all came into existence. God, out of his infinite creativity and out of his infinite power, created every living thing that we see under the water, and in the air. And then on day six, after day three, God created the perfect land. Day six, God created all of the perfect land creatures to fill it. He created all of the trees, the flowers, and the grass to feed his animals. And then on day six, he made the animals themselves. And in a second, in an instant, he spoke, and all of the creatures that we see, the great diversity of animals that we see on this world, he created them all. They filled and populated his planet. So after six days, God had created the perfect environment and filled it with his perfect creatures. But he didn't stop there. Because also on day six, God created the perfect rulers for his, for his creation. On day six, God created the, the pinnacle of his creation, and that was mankind. God said, let us make man in our image. That's another reference to the Trinity. The triune God got together in a little huddle and said, we're going to make humans. And we're going to make the, the rulers, the uh, authority over our planet, over our creation. We're going to make humans and set them over our creation. So they decided to make man in his image. There's a lot of uh, debates and uh, a lot of ink spilled on what it means to be in the image of God. But the same phrase is used in Genesis chapter 5 to talk about Seth being made in the image of Adam. So it's it's the imagery of a son to a father. So in the same way that a, a son is given a father's name and responsibilities, so we as human beings were given our father's image, our father's name and responsibilities on the earth. That is directly tied to the fact that human beings were called and created to rule over the planet, to rule over all of the creatures that he'd made, the perfect environment and the perfect creatures. He made mankind to perfectly rule over all of it. So after six days, God had finished his perfect creation. What kind of world did God make? What kind of world did God create? A perfect one. One that was very good. If the Israelites are are wondering, what is our God like? What What is his character? What is his nature? All they have to do is look at everything that's good and right and holy and pure on the planet. And that is a manifestation of the nature of God. That is his very nature thrown out onto the canvas of creation. Because after six days, everything that he made was very good. Everything that he had made was perfect. The God that we serve, the God that reveals himself in scripture, is not just a God who creates and who makes things, but who makes perfect things, who creates good things, a world, a reality that is exactly as it should be. Everything after six days was ordered and organized for the glory of God, and it was all existing in perfect harmony with one another. That's what makes the the beginning of chapter 2 no big surprise. We can see in verses 1 through 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he'd done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work. That he had done in creation. Six days go by, God creates the perfect world, and by the time he's done, he's done. It's perfect. It is is very good, it's lacking nothing. He had created the perfect environment and then filled it with all of the perfect creatures. That that is the God that we serve a God who who creates, and it's beautiful. It's full of peace, it's full of life, it's full of joy. That everything in creation was ordered and organized to glorify him. And that world, he looked upon it and said, there's nothing else for me to do. And he rested. A perfect and complete rest for all of the world, all living in harmony with one another. What kind of God do we serve? We serve a God who makes a perfect reality. We serve a God who makes a perfect world. We serve a God who is, who is the great creator of all things. And he created the perfect world. If there's one thing, if you're a note taker, if there's one thing that you take away from today, you you have to take this away. God deserves all of our worship and our praise because he is the perfect creator. God deserves all of our worship and our praise, all of our glory and exaltation because he is the perfect creator of all things. I mean, the first thing that we have to do, the first way that we apply this it's to recognize our place in creation. You can't read Genesis chapter 1 and not realize that you're just a creature and that there's a God who's the creator of all things. I, I mean, think about the stars. Can you speak them into existence? And We can't even go to the next planet. And yet God spoke, and the trillions of stars, and the trillions of planets, and trillions of moons all came into existence all at once, just showing how big and how powerful he is. God is the creator, and we're just creatures. God is eternal. Are you? God has always existed. Did you have a starting point? I mean, think of the the animals and the creativity of God. Can you speak anything into existence, any life, any creativity, any any creation? Can you speak and bring it about God? God. Is the creator. Everything else, all the rest of us are just creatures. God is the eternal, infinite, uh, uh, all powerful, almighty being, and all of us are just here to worship Him and glorify Him. You're either the creator or creatures. And the first thing that we need to recognize in Genesis chapter 1 is that we are all just creatures. God is worthy of all of our glory and honor and praise because He is the creator. And we're just creatures. Which is why, closely tied to that, the second application is that we need to turn turn all of our praise and glory and honor to God. Stop living like there's something on this planet worthy of your worship and praise. Stop living like you're the center of the universe and that you are somehow deserving of your own glory and deserving of your own praise. You are just a creature made in the image of the creator of all things. You only have life and breath in your lungs and the environment to live in because he made it, because he put it together and he placed you there. You are just a creature. Everything you see is just creatures. Everything on this planet is not the creator, so stop worshiping it. Stop treating things on this planet like they are inherently worth anything more than the fact that they're just creatures. And start turning your praise and your worship and your adoration towards the, the God who created all things. Stop bringing yourself glory and start giving the glory to the one who deserves it. God deserves all of our worship and our praise because he is the perfect creator. One of the bring bringing it back to relationships. Uh, One of the things that happens uh, when you're in a relationship for a a while is you start to to see uh, there start to be things that remind you of the other person. So maybe uh, all good things. Maybe um, maybe you smell like ocean water and you think of a trip that you took with him, or you smell perfume and you think of her. Uh, Maybe uh, a sentence is said in just the right way and it reminds you of. Uh, something that he or she would say. And there are things that remind you of that person you're in a relationship with. What God is saying in Genesis chapter 1 is that when you look outside, when you see the stars, when you, when you take a breath of air, think of God and worship him. When you see any created thing, you see anything that's good, you see anything that's right, you see anything that's worthy of, 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 of praise, think of God because he's the one that made it. He's the one that put it there. When you see any created thing that is good and right and righteous and holy, worship and praise God because he is the creator. We can't begin the story of the Bible without recognizing our place in it. That there is a God who has created all things and that he's running the show and that we are his creatures. That our perfect design is to worship and to glorify him. When we're doing that, when the world and everything in it is ordered and organized to glorify God, Everything is perfect. It's only when we start to glorify other things that we mess things up. Getting a little ahead of myself. I'm going to cover that next week. But here's the thing. We do live in a world after the fall. Which we'll talk about next week. We live in a world that is marred by sin. We live in a world that is not perfect, that is not very good we live in a world that is broken and corrupted and that's not on God yeah we'll talk about that next week so every single one of us need to make sure that we are glorifying and praising God that we are doing what we have been called and created to do that's to bring glory and praise and honor to God there may be some of you here this morning who have never praised and glorified God the way that he deserves You have never worshipped God. You have never placed your faith in Him. And you're looking around at the world and saying, this doesn't look like the world that you're describing. You're looking at your own life and you're saying, this doesn't sound like the creation and the purpose that you're describing. And that's because of sin. And and the very same uh, reason that you're not worshipping God is the same reason that all of these bad things are happening in the world. Your sin, your... Your brokenness, your desire to worship anything other than the Creator is the very reason all of this sin and all the brokenness and all the pain exists in our planet. But there's a great news. Fast forward several weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a Savior. God the Son, second person in the Trinity, came to earth to die for you so that you can be restored in your relationship with him, so that you can bring to God all the glory and all the honor and all the praise that he deserves and so that you can look forward to and celebrate the fact that one day you will once again experience the world that God designed for you. You will once again be part of a perfect world with a perfect environment, perfectly glorifying God and being completely content in all things that's you this morning, you've never worshipped God, you've never given the praise and the honor that he's due, I invite you this morning to place your faith in Jesus and to glorify God for the very first time and to look forward to the day where you will once again experience the world like this because that's what we're looking forward to. As a church, as a body of believers, we are looking forward to the day when we will once again experience a world that looks and feels just like this one because we serve a God who's only... uh, When he creates, he only creates good things. He only creates a perfect world. So what I want you to do, everyone bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here this morning, and you say, hey, that's me. I have never worshipped God the way that I should. I've never put my faith in Jesus. And this morning, I want to give up worshipping myself. This morning, I want to give up worshipping anything on this world. And I want to turn my praise and honor and glory to God, because he's the one that deserves it. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand this morning. Nobody looking around. Just raise your hand saying, saying I, want the, the, I want to worship God the way that you've said. I want to put my faith in Jesus. I, I want to experience the eternal life that is found, the eternal peace and rest that's found in Jesus, if that's you. For the very first time, I, I invite you to raise your hand this morning. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Here's what I'll do. I'm gonna pray for you guys this morning. And if that's you, you raise your hand. You said, I want to I want to worship God for the very first time this morning. Then when we sing, I'm gonna be sitting right here on the front row. When we sing, I want you to come talk with me. In just a few minutes. I would love to share more with you about what it means to follow Jesus. Prayer over you. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are the good creator of all things and that you don't know how to make something that's not perfect. So when you speak to us, it's good and it is life bringing. When you promise us eternal life, we can know for certain that it's going to be amazing. So God, I pray That those here who do not know you but are are giving their lives over to you today, Father, I pray that they would enter into that rest that you have prepared for them. God, that they would turn over the worship of the things of the world. They would turn over the worship of themselves. And they would give you all the glory and the praise and the honor that you are due. I thank you that it's only by the blood of Jesus on the cross that we can be saved. It's only by the death and resurrection of Jesus that we can be restored in our relationship with you and once again receive the eternal life that you've prepared for us. So thank you, Father, for those here this morning who say that they want to worship you and praise you for the very first time. And I pray for the rest of us, Father, that we would not stop to worship and praise you. That for now, until the rest of our lives and through all of eternity, we would worship and praise you with all that we are because you are the God who is worthy of all our worship all of our praise and all of our glory. And it's in the great and holy and righteous and powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.